The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon. Everybody and welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Winnie Seibold. I too am a critic. That's all. Cool. That's all you get. And uh, this week on Cancelled Too Soon, we are reviewing by popular demand a TV pilot, a failed TV pilot, based on a hit film. We put out a poll to all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network, and we had a whole bunch of these. Mm. And you voted for the failed live-action pilot for a sitcom based on Kevin Smith's Clerks. Yeah, not the animated series. No, not not the short-lived animated series. We get a lot of requests we'll for to, that. Yeah, we got a pretty pretty heavy deluge of requests for the animated Clerks series. We're saving it. Uh, no, uh, Clerks was an unexpected hit when it came out in 1994. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Smith made inspired by the likes of Richard Linklater, mm-hmm. wa- uh, and also his own experience working at convenience yeah, stores. Uh, wanted to make a very very low budget film and is using only what little resources he had mm-hmm. about the conversations he and his friends had. Yeah, and it's a very talky film about these guys in their twenties and their lives are kind of kind of at, at a uh, pit stop and. They just talk about popular culture and their relationships yeah. and sex, and that's kind of it. When this movie came out in the early 1990s, it was actually kind of a lightning rod for independent cinema because it was kind of speaking to the voice of young 20-somethings in a way that other movies weren't at the mm-hmm. time. Um, talking about the way that they talked about not just relationships and sex and work, but also popular culture mm-hmm. in a way that also keyed into what Quentin Tarantino was doing with the dialogue in his movies and later on Joss Whedon would as well. And it kind of reshaped the way was part of anyway, mm. part of the way that dialogue got reshaped in cinema. Um, but uh, yeah, this was a very low budget movie made by someone who was not an experienced filmmaker. Uh, Kevin Smith actually uh, wrote a script called inconvenience. Get it? Which was apparently stolen from his car. If memory serves, maybe the car was stolen as well. <laughs> so he had to rewrite the whole thing over again. And the version that we got was called Clerks. It played Sundance. It was a huge success. Mm-hmm. And I, I it shot Kevin uh, Smith to superstardom in the indie world. I think uh, it even, if, if I'm remembering right, I think it even surpassed Halloween 
as the most profitable movie based uh, in um, comparison to its budget. Yeah. I don't think they count Deep Throat in there. I think technically that would be it. It's, but, uh, but the actual, yeah, it's I hard think, to actually say how much money Deep Throat made because they weren't keeping real Right. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and nowadays, Halloween was made for like $300,000 and it made millions and millions. Like Clerks was also made for like a very it, small amount of money. It was money. made for, I think, like 20 or 30,000. Yeah, it was, it was made for small. a really small amount of money. Yeah. But it became this runaway hit, announced Kevin Smith as this new voice of a generation which he would not agree with yeah uh and yeah kind of ushered in this era of white dudes sitting around talking like shooting the shit genre yeah i think you could even look at like those sort of man child judd apatow movies Mm. as sort of a spiritual successor children to clerks yeah to what clerks was doing and there this was a thing that was going on in the 90s where there was this whole attitude of uh, for gen xers okay we're adults now what and, and something there wasn't I, necessarily yeah. a clear path for a lot of people, yeah, and they you, just sort of fell into a malaise, and that's what Clerks is about. It's about one day in the life of two clerks, one who works at a convenience store, one who works at the video store next door, as they interact with a variety of customers, some very normal, some very eccentric, and get into a series of misadventures. Misadventures in, like, they have to lock the the store to play hockey on the roof they don't yeah. like go off we on can't reschedule our hockey yeah. game because i had to come into work today so we did it on the roof that it's kind of fun stuff nothing anything so weird and wild that that's what clerks 2 is a little bit more about but uh <laughs> there's there's uh uh this uh the guy in the bathroom that's okay weird. There, there's it yeah, gets that's, weird at the end it does get rather strange at the end and uh and the uh, funeral pardon the funeral that's true, which they didn't film, but yeah, yeah that is in the movie. Camera, but yeah, there's there's a few weird things in the movie. Uh, Kevin Smith actually wrote that scene in comic book form. Like, oh, yeah. what, what happened at the funeral? He did that for a few things in the yeah. view universe. But in any case, Clerks was a huge hit. And uh, Kevin Smith started getting more uh, money, started getting more offers. And mm. his next follow-up film was a film called Mallrats, which was mostly like Clerks. It mostly took place in one day, Mm -hmm. but it all took place with a whole bunch of slacker dudes hanging out at the mall back when we had those. It had two common characters in Jay and Silent Bob. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jay played by Jason Mewes and Silent Bob played by Kevin Smith himself. And in fact, the funeral scene from Clerks is Mm -hmm. actually a plot point in Mallrats as well because the Mm -hmm. person who died left uh, a game show and a lurch and someone had to fill in for that game show and that's where the plot of Mallrats Mm -hmm. came out. But the reason I bring up Mallrats isn't because of Mallrats the show, which I've heard they've worked on and maybe that's a thing, I don't know. The reason I bring it up is... Apparently, Kevin Smith was working on Mallrats when someone told him that someone is making a sitcom based on Clerks. He was not he's not asked. A, he's he was not, not consulted. An, he was not, not exec, involved. He's not an executive producer. Yep. He didn't write. He didn't direct. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he even has a characters by credit. I think he's thanked, but that's mm-hmm. about as far as it goes. And, and uh, apparently he, he found out about this and he was like, can I help? And so he wrote he, some. He wants some money on that. He yeah. wrote some. Well, he just also want to be involved. They're his characters, and so apparently he, according to an interview I read, he like he wrote some ideas for episodes, and the producers were like, "Oh, these might be good B plots." And uh, also, <laughs> also a fun thing: uh, Brian O'Halloran and Jeff Anderson, who starred in the movie Clerks as Dante and Randall, respectively. Yeah, they were not brought in to reprise their roles for this live-action pilot, and apparently they may have auditioned and lost the roles. 
Which is weird. It's so, uh, super weird. So this was very aggressively saying, okay, you did your Clerks movie. Mm. That's very nice. Now we're going to do this the sitcom way and do it right. And mm. this pilot sucks. Well, here's the thing. Clerks is very anti-mainstream, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Kind of by design. It's just about these guys sitting around shooting the breeze. It's about people it's who've very been left much, behind by the mainstream, really. It, it, yeah. the, the characters in Clerks hate sitcoms like Clerks. Yeah. They they are of a generation that is railing against a lot of that popular media. In fact, they talk about popular popular media in this kind of dismissive fashion. They're mm-hmm. they're into it. They understand it. Yeah. But they understand that they're kind of enslaved to it in this unseemly sort of way. They they like because again they're into Star Wars. Mm. But when they talk about Star Wars, what do they talk about? Like when Dante talks about Empire Strikes Back, he talks about how it's the best Star Wars movie because it ends on a depressing down note mm. and that's what he relates to. And then when they talk about in Return of the Jedi how the Death Star wasn't finished being built yet and when the Rebels blew it up, they probably built up a whole bunch of innocent contractors. They're not approaching the text from this fanboyish, isn't Star Wars great kind of mm. way. They're actually equating kind of, it to their own lives and finding it kind of sad. Yeah, they're they're, they're nit- picking it they're overthinking it and they're bringing out a lot about their own how pathetic their own lives are yeah uh this clerk sitcom has none of that insight it has none of the bite it yeah. has now, none of the insight into what, it, what it's like yeah. to be young at that time in like america or especially in like you know the types of communities that clerks mm-hmm. actually takes place in um, yeah, it has d- no perspective to speak of. I mean, there's a lot of critiques you could lob at Clerks in a variety of ways, but um, all of the positive qualities that got it noticed are conspicuously absent yeah. from the pilot. So Dante and Randall are back. Uh-huh. Uh, they're Here played they by played- two new guys. Uh, uh, they're played by... Uh, Andrew Lowry plays Dante. Mm -hmm. Now, if you don't know the name, but you were watching movies in 1992 and 1993, you might recognize Andrew Lowry. He he was the boyfriend from My Boyfriend's Back. Which is a movie by Bob Balaban, which is surprisingly funny, about a guy who dies. He's a nerdy guy who dies saving the girl he has a crush on in, I believe, a convenience store robbery. And as he's dying in her arms, he asks her to prom. And what's she going to do? Say no. So she says, sure. And then he dies. Mm. And he goes to the pearly gates. And there's like, okay, welcome to heaven. He died saving someone. That's cool. And he's like, no, I got to go back to prom. Wait, no, you can't. And when he comes back, he's a zombie. And in in order to go to prom, he has to keep eating people to survive long enough to take his date out. It's hilarious. I'm dead serious. <laughs> it's a genuinely weird, mm. funny, dark comedy. Also noteworthy for having early appearances from both Matthew McConaughey and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Really? So he starred in that. He had a major role in the movie School Ties, which is one of those movies that is like... One of those movies where practically every major actor from about 10 years later was in it. Like it had like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and Brendan Fraser and a ton of other... Mm. names and small roles and also he was one of the vampires in the movie version of Buffy the Vampire Slayer so there was a good like two years for him Mm. and his career didn't really take off after that but he's just someone I just sort of know because I was 10 when those movies came out and this was supposed to be his big break he's the lead lead in a a, a mainstream sitcom yeah Um, Uh, and uh, so he plays Dante he plays Dante the convenience store he takes up some of Brian O'Halloran's line readings Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian O'Halloran had 
would admit that he wasn't much of an actor in 1994. Mm. Uh, but it was a part that was kind of written for was, him. Yeah, and so he he's, it he's, well. he's playing himself a lot in that. Yeah. and uh, He plays and, good, like... Sad and exasper- yeah. Uh, exasperated. And, yeah, kind of, kind of self-pitying, kind of a yeah. pathetic character, and uh, and he, he whines a bit. And I think, uh, and that's kind of the point. Yeah. Is he's whining about and, his life, but he's not actually doing anything about it. Andrew Lowry takes up some of those whiny line readings, but he's a completely <laughs> different character. Uh, Dante in the movie Clerks. Yes, he's he's kind of pathetic. He's kind of self-effacing. He's not. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Yeah. And he he doesn't like anything about his lot in life other than his girlfriend Veronica. Hmm. Uh, he he has a, his best friend is is Randall, but Randall is now played by Jim hmm. Brewer. Rand, Jim Brewer, Rand, of course, he would go on to be yeah. on Saturday Night Live. Uh, he was the Goat Boy. Um, he, remember the Goat Boy? I remember of course, the goat you boy. don't remember the Goat uh, Boy. He's probably best remembered now for his role in the stoner comedy Half Baked, which has quite a cult. Hmm. Um, which, which I haven't seen, so I can't speak it, to that. It's funny. It's a funny yeah. movie. It's not my favorite, but it's good. Um, and he, but uh, this it, is one of his earliest performances. And uh, yeah, Randall in the movie is sort of the, the a little bit more cynical. He's a little bit more confrontational, mm-hmm. but he has a lot more agency than uh, Dante. Whereas, so, whereas Dante has sort of is frustrated at where his life is, but is unwilling or unable to fix it. Mm. Randall accepts where his life is and finds it empowering. Yeah. And as a result, he is able to, yeah, he has more agency. He is able to screw with the customers more and not feel bad about it or worry about losing his job because, what, I'm going to lose this wonderful yeah, the, job? He's, he's a very cynical character. Um, but uh, in, in, the, the show, in, the, in the show, Dante is kind of at peace with his lot. He he works at a at a convenience store. It's not a New Jersey convenience store. It's just some set. In fact, I actually in the ex- they occasionally show exteriors. And it looks like I, L.A. I think I know the liquor store that it. I think it is or used to be on Pico Boulevard. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure I know. The, I'm sure they didn't film it yeah. there. It looks like a set, but like but yeah, the exterior a, looks like like a mini mart. I've been to many times. Has the same name and everything. And he seems also to be a, a manager of some sort. Like he's in charge. He talks about ordering beers and like yeah. actually having responsibilities. He's okay with his lot. It's not glamorous. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't he doesn't come across as pathetic at all. In it's, fact, he's kind of heroic. His his girlfriend wants him to do better mm. for himself. She's, uh, Veronica. She is played by an actress named uh, Noelle Parker. Mm. Who? Uh, oh, she was Harmony in Ernest Saves Christmas. Oh, she was also Amy Fisher in Amy Fisher. My story. <laughs> um, and she also so she had, had, she had a, a career. She had a career. Uh, she was also uh, had bit roles and things like "Look Who's Talking to" and uh, uh, yeah. And uh, we also get to meet who we don't meet in any of the Clerks movies or the Ask Universe. Dante's father. Oh yeah. Uh, who here. also wants him wants more for him. And uh, the plot of the pilot is. He set up a an insurance salesman job for Dante, uh, and uh, he is played by Larry Brandenburg, uh, who is one of those character actors who has been you, in everything. You totally recognize him. Yeah. Um, everything from uh, Mighty Joe Young, the remake, obviously, to Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, uh, Fargo. Mm-hmm. He's he's in a lot of Shawshank Redemption. Is a small role. He's in a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but and, uh, and, we, and uh, oh God, what are the other? oh and there's there's a th- and there's a third clerk as well. Uh, Todd, we, played by yeah. Rick Gomez. We have uh, so we have Dante and Randall, but I guess the two having conversations wasn't enough, so they had a, a third. We yeah. we essentially have a second Randall. Yeah. Uh, uh, Rick Gomez is probably best known mm. nowadays for having a pretty long uh, guest run on the series Justified. Mm. Which was, of course, a hit, critically acclaimed show. Good for him. Um, and uh, there's also a small supporting role from a not yet famous Carrie Russell from Felicity fame. Mm. Uh, she plays uh, a, another nearby clerk. She works at a nearby tanning salon. And Todd has a crush on her. And that's her whole bit. She she's really beautiful. That's her yeah. character. That's her character trait. And she's very and she's, tan. She's, yeah, she's tan. And she's a kind little, of a she's kind of ditzy. Kind when of ditzy. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's this weird thing where uh, the it actually opens with them talking to her, and Todd is completely infatuated with her, and they're talking about how she works in a tanning salon, and she actually cares about like you know eating right and everything. And Dante is surprised that she works at a tanning salon and has such a, a tan herself because that's as we generally understand not good for your skin and might mm. actually lead to various forms of skin cancer and uh she says no 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 it's not tanning that does that it's the lotion so i don't use lotion when i tan mm. and dante looks down on her mm. in a way that is it's interesting because that's kind of a sitcom thing that like the protagonist of your series is like the only normal slash smart one Mm. And everyone else is a bunch of kooky folks and, you know, your your Topher Grace or your Michael J. Fox or whatever will roll their eyes and go, ah, these kooks, and then go on there with their day. But the point of Clerks is that Dante is the biggest loser. Mm. So it already reads, even if you thought it was good, it's not. Even if you thought it was good, it's not Clerks. No, it's just another thing about it's, people who work at convenience. It's stores. just a, well, the, what they took from the movie is these guys are kind of losers, kind of, mm-hmm. and they don't have very good jobs. And wouldn't that be? Uh, and there's a conversation in the movie Clerks where uh, Dante is talking about the people who come to the convenience store that annoy him. These weird character mm-hmm. types. Uh, like the people who reach in the back for the freshest milk. Yeah, milkmaids. Yeah. They're not just going to take the milk in the front. Mm. They're going to see if there's like somewhere deep in the mm. in the bowels of the of the refrigerator section. There's some milk carton that won't go bad for a year. <laughs> As if there's a magical one. Look, it won't we go bad all for a check. Decade. Yeah, we all check. I mean, you know that you know that they put the most recent ones in the front. But every once in a while, I'd be like, "Ooh, that good. That's like two days later. I'll get that Here's one." Like, I, I and drink, I still don't drink that milk. I drink. I drink so much milk, it doesn't matter it could it could have expired the day before i'm gonna drink that thing yeah. well uh, it's a sell-by date you're not it you know you're not like it instantly exactly, goes yeah. bad smell it <laughs> smell your milk that's what you should be doing yeah. uh, not at the store wait till you get home but then give it a good whiff yeah, the, uh, a, a peculiar phenomenon of uh, people who come in and test the eggs like the, looking for the perfect dozen and that's something we don't have experience with and it's all about how guidance counselors have this weird neuroses because they have so little control and their jobs so suck so bad yeah. that the only thing they can control is how good their eggs are. So we yeah. see a guy like performing these experiments about eggs. I saw I saw on Twitter yeah. someone was uh, talking about how they kept seeing people at the supermarket pick up a carton of eggs, open it, and go, eggs. 
And people have to explain to them, no, they're checking to make sure the eggs aren't cracked. Yeah. That's what we're checking. And he was like, oh. Yeah, you, 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 tur- you turn each one. If they're stuck to the carton, that yeah. means they're if cracked. There's a there's big a crack, yeah. yeah, you don't want to buy that dozen because that's one egg you're not going to be able to eat. <laughs> It seems simple enough. But ever since then, every time I do that, I go to the market and I pick up a carton of eggs. I open it up and go, eggs. <laughs> so I'm My guessing favorites. I'm guessing some t- some like TV executive who's probably not even watching the whole movie saw mm-hmm. that segment of Dante complaining about the weird customers he gets and thinking, wow, that's a great idea for a sitcom. It's not talk- a bad idea talking for a about sitcom. yeah, a workplace comedy talking about the weird customers that come in. And you realize so Dante, that to, Dante you, and Re- you, you've worked retail, you've worked retail a lot. You worked in movie theaters? Movie theater my whole life. You, and <laughs> yeah, and I I worked retail for a long long time, uh movie theater, bookstores, mm-hmm. video stores, and a lot of it's a boring day-to-day slog like any other job, but there's also a lot of downtime. There's also a lot of really boring stuff where you're just stuck mm. at a counter with somebody you don't know that well, and you're just having a conversation. There are weird people who come in mm. with interesting personality foibles who have bizarre asks. And yeah, honestly, mm. if you can't come up with a situation comedy out of that, I don't, you're just not trying very hard. Like I'm it's kind, there's kind of... infinite, there's an infinite number of baseline possibilities mm. provided you have a decent or uh, uh, cast of characters mm. distinctly drawn, well acted with the uh, good points of view and some wit. We missing at least two of those things. Yeah. And I, the cast themselves aren't terrible, but they're just stuck mm. with this incredibly banal material. Yeah. So we have, we have Dante, we have Randall, we have Randall and, uh, and uh, Todd. There are two Randalls. They're, they're, <laughs> they're essentially, they're kind of the same character. Yeah. Um, one of them works, uh, Randall works in a video store and other Randall works mm. in, uh, like an ice cream shop. Yeah. And they're all like, they're all like in the same like strip mall. Yeah, so, so like, they're, they're wandering out and they're constantly yeah. wandering into Dante's convenience store. Uh, uh, noticeably absent from the clerk's sitcom are Jay and Silent Bob. That's true. Uh, instead we have like a, I think he's like, he's underage. He can't buy booze yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of this wastoid character. Who, oh, oh, it's, oh, and he's played by Bodie Elfman. He's played by Bodie Elfman. Uh, who uh, is a character actor. You've probably seen him in a lot of things. He has like He's the security guard at the beginning of Sneakers. Mm. Um, he was in a movie called The Others, which I and one of my friends from high school was like an extra in because they were filming it at uh, a school in our area, and we were just able to be on the set and be an extra. So, so you might see me in like, not the Nicole Kidman movie. It's like this high school movie about like slackers who have a band. Um, did you get to meet Bodie Elfman? Sure. He was okay. nice enough. Um, but, uh, and, and yes, he is of the Elfman clan. He is related yeah. to Danny Elfman and Richard Elfman. Yeah. And, and uh, he plays Richard Elfman's son. I, I want to say, but um, in any case, he plays a character who, uh, is underage, but keeps coming in to buy booze, which is ludicrous because Bodie Elfman looks at least twenty-eight. <laughs> like he does not even look. Well, like the other on, characters I'm looking look at Bodie young. Elfman's age. Uh, he was born in sixty-nine, so yeah, he, yeah, he, he would have been in his twenties. He was been point. in his mid-twenties, and he looks it. He doesn't mm. look young. Like, like the guy who plays Todd, he looks kind of young. Like mm. he might have been able to play that off, but no, Bodie Elfman is not who you cast if you're trying to get someone mm. who looks underage. Yes, um, Bodie Elfman is Richard Elfman's son, and yes, yeah. he is he is married to Jenna Elfman. Yeah. Uh, also filling out the cast, uh, there is a guy that Dante knew in high school named Cliff, and Cliff has actually made something of himself. I think he's working at like a law firm or something, and he makes Dante he, he insults Dante because Dante has done nothing with his life. 
Uh, and Dante is frustrated because his girlfriend Veronica wants Dante to have some agency and do what he wants mm. and which, actually which pursue goals an, and dreams. Which is an element from the movie. Which is an element yeah. from the movie, that's true. And uh, so Dante starts worrying Veronica's going to leave him for this Cliff guy, and he starts engineering a way to ruin Cliff's life. Cliff is played by Andre Nemec. Who's a screenwriter. He's better yeah. known for writing than he is for acting. Yeah, Andre Nemec uh, is, uh, among among other things... Uh, he worked on the TV series Starcrossed, which uh, is not the one that we reviewed on this show, but we could also review mm-hmm. it on the show. It was Romeo and Juliet in high school, but with aliens. Uh, he worked what on is- the series October Road. He worked on Alias. He worked on Fast Lane, which we do need to mm-hmm. get to one of these days. Um, he wrote the animated movie Wonder Park. He wrote the two most recent, or co-wrote the two most recent Teenage Ninja Turtles movies. He co-wrote Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. Uh, he's got a pretty impressive, like, IMDb page. <laughs> and uh, here he is as just a quirky actor. Uh, d- wasn't in a lot of stuff actually, mm-hmm. but here he is. He's a quirky actor in a quirky uh, uh, comedy, and. Um, well, that, that's yeah. the, the problem with this clerk's pilot is that it's not quirky. Yeah. In fact, it it really galls me that uh, Clerks, which was this brand new voice that was trying to change the tone of a lot of popular art at the time. Yeah, like, there, and really, like not like, interesting things not happening mm-hmm. can be very interesting. Yeah, that it's about conversation and it's about mm-hmm. character and it's about their attitudes mm-hmm. about, about being, themselves and about the world. It's, it's about being trapped in limbo is yeah, what it yeah, is. And yeah. somebody decided to take that and make it as eventful plot driven and bland as any other sitcom mm-hmm. like clerks is an anti-sitcom by construct yeah and in fact and they're it, turning it into a sitcom and you look at the animated series mm-hmm. and they really struggled against that and they ended up coming out with the wackiest possible scenarios because mm-hmm. actually if you think about it being trapped in limbo is a really bad idea for a sitcom mm-hmm. like actually just like a workplace comedy set at a convenience store is a good idea for a sitcom But the overall tone of Clerks, where we're trapped in a place and we want to get out and we can't, we're just stuck here forever, and it's kind of miserable and soul-crushing, and we're making the most of it with wit and humor, that doesn't sound like a good time over a while. In fact, the whole thing of the movie Clerks and Clerks 2 is that it stinks. What I I appreciate about Clerks 2, and I'm a big fan of Clerks 2. I like Clerks 2 a lot. Mm -hmm. It's not that I like it. because, uh, Because of the way it ends. Yeah. About how this idea that you need to move on, you need to move away from New Jersey, that's a big plot point in the movie, you need to stop stagnating and just get on with your life, when you realize that staying in this one, you've been staying in this one place for so long, that it kind of is your life. There's this weird Camus philosophy to Clerks, too, about accepting your lot and realizing that you're really kind of happy here. Yeah. And ironically, that does mm. fit into Kevin Smith's overall sort of career where yeah, he spent he a long time trying to do bigger things. He wrote a script for the Superman movie and everything. And then eventually he just sort of came to terms with, I'm the clerk's guy. He's, I'm the, this, is, this is what I have to say. This yeah. is all I've ever really wanted to say. If I do anything else, it's kind of nutty and weird. So, but ultimately, yeah, I think, I'm the clerk's guy. I think Clerks guy. 2 is sort of like the buckle on his career. It's yeah. like, this is where I started and this is where I've always wanted to be. This is what I do. And, and yeah. he made a few films after that. And you know, Red State is ambitious. Mm. I think it's... the. 
the best filmmaking he's done just as a director. Mm. Uh, then he did Tusk, which is awful, excrable, and really then he bad. then he did things like Yoga, Yo- hoses. Yoga Hosers, which is which actually is, amusing. It, it, it's but, not great, but it's fun. But you can tell he's just sort of doing that as a goof. Yeah. You know, he's not saying he's anything with something like Yoga Hosers. But when you look at something like Clerks, it is a, an expression of someone actually talking about what's going on in their life, mm-hmm. what they don't like about it, what they do like about it, and sort of just how sad it is to be a bland 20-something white dude with a known, with a nothing job mm. and just feeling stuck. That's just kind of what it is. And this, Dante, this, this, isn't, this isn't about that. No, it's not about being stuck. It's about relationship drama. Yeah. Uh, the, the central plot is that Cliff is throwing a party mm-hmm. and... Dante hates that because he went to high school with Cliff, and Cliff was a, a tattletale in high school. Yeah, it was a jerk. And he catches wind that his girlfriend, Veronica, is at this party. She didn't tell him. She thinks that Veronica might leave him for Cliff. Well, he thinks that. Yeah, yeah that's what he thinks. So yeah. he, he skips out work, leaves the, the store in the hands of Bodie Elfman. I would have loved to have seen cutaways back to the I store. I expected and that to be Bodie funny. Elfman is either completely screwed it up or, even more funny, r- running a really clean ship. I was really hoping that would be the case. I thought that would actually have been kind of yeah. funny but we don't actually get that but no, he goes to he goes to the party plays a prank on cliff saying that you have to get drunk and deface mm. something in town we never yeah. learn what town it is even though clerks is very specifically new jersey it's very yeah. jersey centric yeah uh but yeah the, there's this tradition where they deface uh, a water tower in town and that's going to get them arrested mm-hmm. doesn't seem like that horrible a crime where they'd send cops out to stop you right and uh, the problem is that dante had in order to impress veronica finally agreed to take one of the job opportunities his dad set up for him yeah uh and he had an interview the next day and if he goes out and parties he's not going to be ready for it he's going to lose that job meanwhile cliff if he gets arrested well that's not going to look on good on his resume as mm-hmm. a lawyer so dante after veronica sort of being upset with him that he did something so underhanded just sort of took the rap for Cliff because my life is ruined anyway. Why not? Yeah. And Veronica is very impressed with his heroism, even though it was his villainy that got them in trouble in the first place. And then a cop played by Jack Plotnick, um, who is a character mm. actor. I've, I've, seen him a, I've seen him in a lot of stuff. Jack Plotnick. Yeah. Uh, let's see. He was, uh, let's see. He was in rubber. He was in space station 76. I think he might've like directed that. Yeah, he directed Space Station 76, which, if you haven't seen that, that's actually a really good sci-fi comedy. Uh, Basically, imagine Ang Lee's The Ice Storm, but in space. (laughs) It's exactly like it sounds, Um, but I like it a lot. And uh, so the the cop is so enamored of their, like, relationship drama that he decides to, like, let them go and not arrest them, and then it all works out okay. Meanwhile, Jim Brewer is doing Jim Carrey shtick. Like, he can't just say something. He has to do wild, rubber-faced miming. And I feel really bad for him because he's clearly trying to turn this incredibly blasé, boring material into something that might actually make people laugh. Mm. He can't. But he's trying. He's trying. I'll give him credit for trying. Hmm. I give him credit for trying. I'll give, in fact, I think every actor is at least doing their job. Problem is, their job is to yeah, make not, something generic and bland. None of the actors are bad, is the no, thing. Like, no, like, Carrie Russell's all, yeah. actually pretty good in, like, the little bit that she has. Mm-hmm. I think she got, like, the one... 
this is a sitcom, a situation comedy, but we're supposed to laugh at various situations. I, <laughs> Thank you for explaining that. I, uh, I, well, I just wanted to set it up. So mm-hmm. if you do a whole sitcom with wall-to-wall jokes, and the most laughter you get out of me is, huh. Um, and I think it was Carrie Russell who did it. I can't even remember what the joke is. That's not a good sitcom. I, I like the bit where Randall smacked Randall 2 in the head. <laughs> Where Carrie Russell was flirting with Randall too, and, yeah. and and he didn't know how to respond, and oh yeah, was, Randall once like hit him like really hard. That I was an that actual was, joke. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a little bit of f- physical comedy that played well. Yeah, um, but um, mm. yeah, there's there there's no okay, there's no humor. The ethos is really dull. Mm-hmm. In the night, I think we talked about this uh, at one point where in the 1990s sitcoms were at this weird turning point. Because of a show like Seinfeld and uh, a little bit earlier, Married with Children, we started to see the gross underbelly of how boring sitcoms were being exposed for the first time. Yeah. And you couldn't really do a lot of straight sitcoms anymore without some kind of angle or gimmick. There were a few that made it work. Mm. I think News Radio was very much an old school comedy with a larger ensemble than usual. But if you so look it was at, a little little bit more absurd than usual. But oh, and The Simpsons was like the big turning point for a lot of The Simpsons us, was yeah. a big turning point. Also, I think the uh, uh, creation of uh, single camera sitcoms. Mm. If you look at the majority of sitcoms throughout TV history, they're usually on a soundstage, and what it is is there's usually three, sometimes more, but usually three cameras. Mm that are constantly filming the whole action. They're doing a whole scene all at once and they're moving around and they know what marks to turn in and who's responsible for having a close up. And then there's a director up in a booth saying, cut to camera one, mm-hmm. cut to camera two. And they're editing the whole thing on the fly because a lot of these used to be done live and a lot of them are still recorded live and they're basically like one act plays. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is it's limiting. You typically only have one or two locations that you can work with. And you kind of have to be super clever if you're going to get a lot of material out of the same tools in the toolbox every single week. And then we started getting shows like Malcolm in the Middle, for example, which started doing the same type of sitcom ideas. But without the live studio audience element. And also without the restriction of being locked down, having these giant cameras in place, Mm -hmm. being in one location where this wall doesn't even exist, so you'll never be able to see it. And now all of a sudden, sitcoms were starting to feel a little livelier, starting to look a bit more dynamic, and... I'm not saying this is a slight against older sitcoms, but it really did sort of refresh the sitcom concept as a format. Mm. And I think it definitely extended the life of the sitcom. Yeah. Um, Because, yeah, they were starting to feel pretty stale. Uh, This uh, sitcom came out in 1995 when they were stale. And this is a stale and, one. And it's a stale one. They're not offering any kind of new angle yeah. that Clerks provided for them. It's right there. The characters and the situation and the type of conversation they were having and the person who wrote it who was willing to work in TV yep. are all right there for you. Yeah. But they didn't consult Kevin Smith. They didn't include all of the characters. They didn't include the same versions of the characters. Mm-hmm. They didn't include the same scenario. <laughs> no, they didn't include the same setting. They changed everything yeah. that would have made it a, a workable sitcom that might have been fun to watch or at least kind of poignant. Now, I'm going to say this right now. We we sometimes get a bug up our butt when people do adaptations of things, whether mm. it's 
a book to a movie or a comic book to a movie mm. or a movie and, to and TV. That, and then it's whatever. not accurate to the original. Yeah, and then it's not accurate to the original. And oftentimes there are adaptations that change a ton of stuff that are as good or better than the original. Mm. And it happens all the time. Wizard of Oz, incredibly unfaithful. Mm. Mary Poppins, incredibly unfaithful. I have not seen uh, the new Fargo TV series, yeah. but from what I understand, it's, it's not like the film at it's all. It's just different stories mm. in a similar vein, which is fine. Um, so you can absolutely do this. What we're talking about isn't that, oh it's, no, they changed the, the, this thing we yeah, like. The, the, it's that they didn't change it into anything. It's, it's not a yeah. thing now. It's just this generic yeah, my, my, sitcom pablum set in a convenience store. Exactly. My, my complaint isn't that it's too different from Clerks. My complaint is that, yeah, they, they, they turned it into something really, really boring. Yeah, if you're going to adapt something, there should be a reason to adapt mm. it. And if you're going to change everything about that that made it worth adapting, you didn't need to pay for it. You could just do a sitcom set at a store. It didn't need to be called Clerks. Yeah, and just it would, cha- change the name of the characters. People would have and said that, like, oh, it's fine. kind of like Clerks, but no one would have been like a Offended, I think mm. it's in fact it's so different from the movie yeah. that they they wouldn't have had any copyright. Change issues. the names, change the names, and don't use the same like Soul Asylum song on your your gun. <laughs> like that's it. Like it's it's you probably could have gotten away with it. It still wouldn't have been a good oh, sitcom. What, uh, it wouldn't have been a hit. But like you could have saved the money. What sitcom did we, Ween did uh, did like the interstitial music for a sitcom in the nineties? I don't know. Was um I know they might be giants the, they might come in the middle. What, what was the the one with um Donald Loge? Oh, um, uh work working I forgot that one. I think we did the soundtrack working, for that what one. What the hell was that? Okay. Uh while I'm looking that up, some more <laughs> vital stats here. Uh while we're complaining about the screenplay, uh this show was written by an Emmy nominated uh uh writer. Uh, his name is Richard Day. Uh, Richard Day was, uh, he worked on such shows as Arrested Development, Dog with a Blog, which I understand was quite the hit, uh, Spin City, The Drew Carey Show, The Larry Sanders Show, Wow, Mad About You, Ellen, Sybil, Roseanne, and his, his first credit, my personal favorite, whoops, do you remember... <laughs> Okay, he actually had previous writing credits, but his first like producing credit was a show called Whoops. Do you remember the show Whoops? It had an exclamation point, so you have to say it like that. Whoops. Nineteen ninety two. It uh it takes Sounds place like... after the end of the world in a nuclear devastation. Oh yeah, I remember. I've and heard like I heard six, of this. So show, it's it's yeah. a bit like that that uh, that one show like The Last Man on Earth or whatever, mm-hmm. but it came well before that, and I remember the show. It was not good. It lasted ten episodes. We can do it uh, if we can find it. If we can find it, we have to do it because man, that was that memory serves. Mm. It was even as a kid, I was like, "This isn't good." What the hell is this? Um, so uh, Richard Day wrote it, and it was directed by Michael Lessack, uh, who has directed a ton of television. Um, a lot of it in shows that you probably aren't in love with, like. The Tony Danza Show, or Norm. Just a, a, a working TV yeah. director. Yeah, hard-working yeah. TV director. Also worked on some good stuff. He did 54 episodes of Grace Under Fire, which actually was a good sitcom. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, also he worked on New Hearts, and he directed uh, the one feature film, House of Cards with Kathleen Turner, 
which I only sense. know because I occasionally confuse the title with House of Games with Lindsay Cruz. Well, Lindsay Krauss. <laughs> it's a David Mamet movie. House of Cards House stars of, Kathleen Turner and Tommy Lee Jones. House of Games is really good. I haven't seen House of Cards. I haven't seen it either. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to assume it's great. So these are hardworking people who who they know work th- their butts off, and I'm sure they tried really, really hard. But at well, some level, there's... they just missed the point of the material, or maybe they mm. tried and it just got sort of sanded down in development or whatever. I don't know. Well, it's hard he, to say. Th- this this pilot, uh, which never aired, by the way, yeah. um, uh, the, the clerk's pilot. Feels like a lot of people just sort of going through the motions to me. Uh, there's something to be said for a, a workmanlike director who is just going to approach the material and do it. And mm-hmm. you could say that of some a really great director like Stephen Frears. He just yeah. shoots the script in, in a good way, and he just has mm-hmm. such a good instinct yeah, he's that good he tends with to actors, tell really good stories. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or even John Carpenter, who's directed yeah. really wild films. He's a very workmanlike director, isn't he? Yeah, very few of his... There's some that do, but like, there's a lot of his films that are just... He just films them. Yeah, like even yeah. something like Big Trouble in Little China, that's not like a Carpenter style, because he doesn't bring yeah. that to other movies. It's not like when you watch like a Denis Villeneuve film and he like wants you to know it looks like one of his movies. Yeah, and I'm going to photograph them all the same way, and they're all the, the yeah. exact same shade of beige. Sometimes I wonder if Roger Deakins could just do a Denis Villeneuve film without Denis Villeneuve. Like, do you think he could just... <laughs> just re- release it? He, sh- he films it himself, but releases it. Right, everyone, be dour. I got everything else. You just be dour on camera, <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. It's like I can do that. Cool. <laughs> like Roger Deakins directed Dune. I'm not. I'm not putting down Denis Villeneuve. Mm-hmm. He's made some good movies, but also sometimes it feels like he's just relying on how oh. important the movie looks mm-hmm. rather than the actual content of the script. Like if you give him a shitty script, he will he'll make a in, shitty script. He'll yeah. make a shitty script, but he will make it in such a way that it looks like a great movie. Mm-hmm. And it might be later on that you realize that Sicario actually has a ton of problems, <laughs> like me. And I, I was like, wait a minute. I don't like Sicario. No, Sicario is actually not great, but it feels great. When you're watching it, it's like Roger Deacon shoots the shit out of it, and the tone is really, really dark, and every time someone says something that's supposed to be important, it feels like it is really important, even though you actually listen to the words, and you're like, wait a minute, no. This is bullshit, and all these people are terrible. Uh, so what I'm seeing, what I'm saying here is that uh, we have no... Uh, for lack of a better term, auteur's voice in mm. this clerk sitcom. No, it just uh, we feels like any sitcom. Yeah, we don't have Kevin Smith's voice behind it, and so I'm, I'm not. I'm guessing that these people aren't working really hard to try to find something really interesting underneath Clerks. Some studio executive handed them this project. They said it's a workplace comedy about twenty somethings in 1995. Go, and they said, okay, here's how we do that, and they did it, hmm. and they did it completely efficiently. They wrote the kinds of jokes that go into a sitcom without straining themselves with wit. Mm-hmm. Or, they re- wrote, or, or trying to be distinctive they wrote in any a way. protagonist and sidekick characters in a very uh, by-the-book screenplay kind of way. Yep. Uh, they wrote a disapproving girlfriend character. Yeah, they wrote like they wrote every... a disapproving dad. They wrote a rival. Yeah. They actually have a, a story that works just fine. Everything is totally efficient in this. Yeah. It just is to the good. point of having no personality whatsoever. This yeah. is the baseline reading. Yeah. This is a sit as sitcom as you can get before you start adding things that make a sitcom interesting. It, this is this is like uh, when you look at like a storytelling, like when you look at a book about mm. screenwriting, 
and they'll give you like the basics of like how like something like a sitcom is structured. Mm -hmm. This is the structure. You're not supposed to leave it there. You're actually supposed to like put your some flavor on that and like make, put, add some spice and personality mm. and thought and themes and insight and try to find a way to make okay this is structurally sound into something that people actually want to see as opposed to something where people would go well technically the story functions yeah no one wants to come out of a movie going well technically the story functions <laughs> we want to go wow what great characters or what great scenes or jokes or moments or, oh, it made me feel or think these wonderful things. And none of that is in Clerks, no. the pilot. And so there's a reason this didn't go to series. And I think it's fair to say uh, that the show was not canceled too soon. No, this, no, no. I don't, yeah. don't want to see more episodes of this Clerks. No, and I think uh, they clearly realized it was a bad idea because they didn't go through with it. And some of the people went on to bigger things. Some people did not. And uh, we all moved on. And then a couple of years later, Kevin Smith did Clerks the Animated Series, which lasted more than one episode, but was also canceled after, I think, less than one full season, mm. or like it was going to be like a really short mid-season replacement, maybe. Uh, and uh, a lot of the episodes didn't air. The ones that did air aired out of order, and it was a big mess. And one of these days, we are going to review that on Cancel Too Soon. And before you get excited, no, it's not going to be your big 200th episode. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We tricked you. So you probably thought that's where mm. we were going with this mm. because that is one of our more requested series. But no, we're not doing that. We're going to be doing on the next episode of Cancel Too Soon. By the way, you can agree this one wasn't canceled too soon. I, I said. Okay, I said just making sure. Next time on Cancel Too Soon, in our 200th episode of this podcast, we are doing the series that, okay, maybe it isn't the one we got the most requests for, but it's in the top three. The one we got the most requests for was Freaks and Geeks. And, and then Firefly. And then, yeah, Firefly was number one, uh, which we said we would never do. Yeah. And we did one episode for every episode because we yeah. got a bunch of uh, Patreon subscribers. Yeah, we, we very, set it as a Patreon nice. goal. Yeah. Um, the second most requested was Freaks and Geeks. Mm -hmm. This might be the third most requested. I think it's easily the third mm -hmm. most requested. Uh, next time on Cancel Too Soon, we are going to be reviewing, at long last... The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I know some people are going, oh, thank God. Yeah. Oh, I've it's, been asking every week. It's, it's finally time for The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. We've, We've been, been saving it for a special occasion. The 200th episode seems like a special enough occasion. Yeah. So, yeah, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Starting Woo! Bruce Campbell. A cult hit at the time ran concurrent with shows like The X-Files in the early 90s. So it got really overshadowed. Yeah, uh, big, big budget sci-fi western series. Mm -hmm. Which we've already reviewed one of in the Richard Dean Anderson series Legend, which, by the way, good show. Legend is a good show. Seriously. and I, What I realized, actually, when I watched the show Legend was I actually didn't watch as much Briscoe County Jr. as I thought, and I confused it with Legend. <laughs> so I actually haven't seen most of Briscoe County Jr., okay. and now I get to watch the whole thing, and I'm very excited about and it. It stars Bruce Campbell. The bad guy's played by Billy Drago. It's got a wonderful cast of character actors, big, expansive, ambitious show that lasted a long time. It was a long season. For one season. Mm. Uh, canceled, talked about a lot in glowing terms. Does it hold up? That's what we're about to find out, because we'll we're going to watch uh, watch the whole damn thing and talk about it. And I'm very excited about it, and I hope you're excited about it, too. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Especially a big shout-out thank you to all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash 
critically acclaimed network. That's where you can find all of our various uh, exclusive podcasts, including All Our Yesterdays, where we review every episode of Star Trek. Hmm. Holy Batman, we're reviewing every episode of 1960s Batman. Uh, we finished the run, but we do have a podcast called Out of Gas on there that you can look up and where we reviewed uh, every episode of Firefly, including the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a ton of other exclusive stuff there as well. And we hope you enjoy it. We thank every one of our patrons for making this podcast and all of our other podcasts possible. And of course, we do have polls all mm-hmm. the time and you can uh, decide what will come out uh, on this show and many others. The latest Cancel Too Soon poll is currently live. Throughout the month of October, we like to do a bunch of horror-themed shows, and we have a horror poll up on the Patreon right now for any tier available. If you can only afford $1 a month, you still get to vote for it. Mm. Um, so that's going on over there. Of course, you can email us, letters at criticallyacclaimed.net, if you want to talk about this show or any of our other podcasts or anything at all. We might review. Uh, we might review. We might read your email in an upcoming episode of We've Got Mail. I'm starting to run out of energy. <laughs> review your emails. I'm running low. I can tell. Okay, and of course we're on Twitter at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. And that is a wrap. We will see you next week for Briscoe County Jr. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> Woo. <laughs>